0: smart smile we're about to jump in in three two and one good afternoon good afternoon ladies and gentlemen it is your boy c-i-double-z-y live action back at it again with another episode of the college Stutter show you already know what it is we're here in kansas city missouri not kck so stop asking me i'm not on the kansas side baby i'm on the missouri side but we we pay respects to wyandotte county and all that so as i tell you guys every single week we're coming back with a fire guest, and I've yet to do it again. Today, we have in the building, the podcast connoisseur, the podcast, the true podcast poppy, the true podcast king, Lloyd George. You know, if you haven't seen his content yet, you're going to start to see it in the next coming weeks. If you haven't heard his story yet, you're going to hear it today. And I'm just excited that he agreed to come on the show today. So Lloyd, go ahead and say what's up to the people, my
1: guy. What's up, everybody? Uh Carlos, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited about this. I love talking to people that have podcasts that really can appreciate the space. So I'm super excited for our combo today.
0: Absolutely, man. Well, let's start with the very beginning. Lloyd, where are you from? Where did you grow up? Like, where did the 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 beginnings of Lloyd George start? So think about five, six year old you, where were you living? What were you doing? What was the what was the family structure? Talk about your talk about your upbringing, brother.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I was born in a country called Zimbabwe. I lived there until I was twelve years old, and then I moved to the United States, specifically Atlanta. And I think you're from Tanzania. Is that right? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. Lots to talk about there too, uh, but yeah, so I moved to the United States 06 um, and that's sort of where like my journey started. I was kind of in a weird place, right? Because I came to the United States a little too old to really like appreciate everything that kids from here appreciate, like the movies, the culture, but I also left my country too young to really know like, dang, I'm proud of like where I'm from. And so I sort of felt like I didn't necessarily like, have a space to fit. Um, and so I grew up here from uh, sixth grade on finished high school, uh, went to college for one year and then decided to drop out. Uh, But, you know, I just would find random opportunities to do work. And I eventually found that my passion was technology and content creation. And that's sort of what led me to my journey now, creating content on TikTok. I
0: love it. I love it, brother. And so, you know, you, you came here at a pretty solid age, man. You're already kind of developing into who you are or... I guess you would say you're starting the process of, you know, developing who you are. You know, that junior youth age between, you know, 12 and 16 is super vital in regards to shaping who an individual is going to become and the behaviors and the, and their characteristics. So can you talk about maybe some of the initial challenges you had in terms of transitioning into the states? I know one of the benefits of Atlanta is it's pretty diverse. Um. But I don't yeah. know where you ended up living. So, Can you talk about um, the transition um, into the States? Did you have to learn English? Did you already know English from studying from getting taught in school in Zimbabwe? Um, talk about those initial challenges, obstacles and and realizations you had to come to uh, as a 12 year old.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. There were quite um, a bit of challenges. It was just a big culture shock coming to the United States. Luckily for me, the the school I went to back in Zimbabwe, they were it was like a private school, and they were very much like, "Yo, we want to give you an advantage in the world." So they taught us, our, they taught us English first and then our native language second. And at the time I was like, this is whack, but it ended up working out for my good just because when I got here, I did not have as big of a learning curve trying to learn English. And so that helped out quite a bit, but there's still a lot of big culture shifts. Like I I did terrible at school. Like I just didn't understand, like I was already a bad student back home, but when I came here, I just didn't understand like, How does the school system work here? How do you, no one ever taught me any of those things. So I, it took me a while to adjust to be, uh, to living in the United States. I will say though, the one thing that like made a world of difference for me in terms of coming to the United States is like, I feel like people here are very big at like going for it. They're very big and like believing in themselves. They're very like we pride ourselves on saying like it's the American dream. You could do anything. There's no limitations. Like if you put your mind to it, bro, it can happen. Even if it's not true, we just like say it and that's like the culture here. And I I love it. And so I, I got a hold of that sort of like vision. And I think that's the thing that like would just like, you know, there's a lot of things in my life where it's like, yo I don't know how to create content. I don't know about TikTok. All I know is like, I just got to do the first step, grab a camera. Let's see what happens. And I don't think that I would have had that same perspective had I still been like back home. I was very, um, a lot of the people that lived around me were very like timid, were very conservative. And that's not like, I'm not saying that's like the whole Zimbabwe per se, but just like the area I was and the people around me, it just would have taken me a little longer. No,
0: that makes sense. And I, I want to I dive into a little bit deeper um, or, or around your family if you're comfortable sharing. So did you grow up with any siblings um, or are you an only child? Let's start there.
1: Yeah, so I have uh, three siblings. I have a younger brother, two younger sisters. One of my sisters lives in Zimbabwe, and then my two other siblings are here in Atlanta with me.
0: I love it. And so how did your parents make the the decision to come to Atlanta? Why was Atlanta the choice? Why was the states even an option? Um, Did your family already have some type of roots based out of Atlanta? Talk about why Atlanta ended up being the choice and, you know, maybe, you know, how grateful are you to end up in Atlanta? I feel like as a Kansas Cityan, although I love Kansas City, when I think about Atlanta, I think about, um, especially over the past 10 to 15 years, like cultural melting pot. Um, becoming an entertainment hub. Um, I've heard a lot about, uh, you know, large communities of Africans, more from West Africa, but large community of Africans moving into Atlanta and having yeah. communities there. So talk about how Atlanta came into the picture and what your parents um, were doing that led them there.
1: Yeah, so like where I'm from in Zimbabwe, like if you get the opportunity to go to America, you don't even ask questions. It's just like everybody wants to come, right? So it's like, it's not even like, if, if I told someone back there, like, yeah, we're going to America, they would not even ask why. They just say, like, oh, that's you're so lucky. You're great. um And so, like, I felt like my parents would constantly talk about, like, yeah, we're going to go to America one day. We're going to live in America one day. we Like, they said it so much that, like, I just... Even if we didn't have like the logistical, like, uh, resources to get here, in my mind, it was just like, I don't know how, but one day I'm gonna be in America. Um, and so when we finally got my mom got a job in Zimbabwe at the American Embassy, which made it a little easier to come here. Um, and I think my dad just chose Atlanta just because we had like a few family members that lived here. But also, to your point, it's an amazing place for an immigrant, right? It's not too extreme, like, it's not too hot, it's not too cold, it doesn't snow right like it's not too um even just like the people like it's super diverse so it's not like a culture shock in that regard and so it was the perfect place to come and i I love it so much ironically i'm moving to washington dc next month for for good so that'll be a a new challenge as well but i do want to ask you what was your experience like living in kansas city like what was what would you say is like a pro and con
0: absolutely yeah i mean I have a little bit of a different experience because I am the only child of eight children that was actually born here. So um, everyone else was born in Tanzania and then came to came to Kansas City. But, you know, for me, the, the interesting thing about Kansas City and the, and the area I grew up in was although diverse, people were always, uh, it, it's more diverse in regards to, you know, black people, black Americans, white Americans. And then uh, like Latinos, right? So there wasn't many people from outside of the the country or with a with the. There wasn't much international. So really, I was kind of popular for saying that I'm from Africa. Or I'm from Tanzania. Like a lot of questions. Oh, what's it like? Um, you know, you know. My parents took me back every other summer, and my mom did. So I got that experience of going back, having pictures, and having those conversations. But you know, Kansas City is growing now back then it felt very uh very stale i would say um you know it felt like nothing was coming out of here we didn't there weren't too many popular um celebrities or successful people that were talked about a lot on tv or in the news that gave you hope that there was something great you could do coming out of kansas city Mm -hmm. um it was very much hey when you graduate you're either going to the military you're going to end up like everyone else working in the factories the meat factories or Uh, the car factories um, across, you know, the Kansas City metro area, um, or you were, you know, that's pretty much the the two things. Yes, some kids will go to college, but they just end up coming back and becoming a teacher. So, you know, not that that's a bad thing, but, you know, for me, it was uh, felt like I was, I don't know, an outsider from the perspective of I got the experience to really travel the world because i got to go to africa all the time so i had this uh broadened um experience and and because of my religion i grew up around diverse cultures a lot of arabs a lot of persians so i always felt like this might sound uh egotistical but i always felt like i had more information than my friends did and i just wanted to share it with them so i was about trying to my friends to the experiences I had, whether it was taking them to some of my religious events, not for the religious purposes, but so they could see people from other cultures and try different foods, um, trying to make sure they came over, that they ate my mom's African foods and they interacted with my parents, um, showing them videos and photos when I would go back to Africa, sending it back home or emailing them videos and photos or sending them through Facebook, just really trying to expose the homies because I knew if I didn't expose them, um, you know, to the outside, it might it might leave them leave them down the same path some of their older brothers or older siblings or parents went down which often ended them up stuck in the city or dead or in jail so you Yo, know i i, I, lo- really I love that, that was
1: awesome yo do you feel like um i i listened to one of your other episodes where you were talking about going back frequently and and i, I do agree like a lot of that is attributed to like african moms because they be they be making it work man from like the budget standpoint running the house so on and so forth when i and i know you mentioned you went back like every other year or every year did you ever feel sort of like um like survivor's guilt kind of like yo like you're You you're in the United States. You have this amazing opportunity. You get to like go back. But then there's people there that may not have, you know, the same like luxury or privilege or opportunity. And it sucks. Like it sucks. Like, yeah, I mean, like being the one of your friends that got to go to America and your friends are still back home. What like, how do you handle? How did you handle that?
0: yeah i wouldn't particularly use the the term survival scale i i heard that from a lot of you know i've had a lot of different uh people on the show um from african background and from different countries across the continent of africa who've mentioned that I even had a conversation at the club last night <laughs> um <with laughs> a dude from from cameroon who was talking about why it sucks when he goes back because he just sees like all the potential but he's like i only can have so much impact but you know for me I actually. My experience going uh, back and forth to Tanzania was uh, was was interesting because there's this dynamic when you're in the states and you're mixed, you're like people. Some people look at you as like white, and so they try to treat you as like like a like uh you're from the white community so they'll say like ignorant things about black people around you because they're like well you're not full black but then you're around the black people and they don't totally accept you so you're not fully accepted from the white people you're not fully accepted from the black people so you kind of feel like you're kind of an in-between which can sometimes feel like you're not wanted or you don't know where you belong and then when i go back to africa it was the same thing i would think i'm gonna go back home i'm like All right, i'm going back home i'm going to my people but when i came back home they're like nah you like a white american
1: <laughs> uh you know yeah, yeah yeah
0: it was, such, it was such an interesting dynamic. I actually didn't feel accepted in either community in the States or in Africa. So it was, it was always interesting and always wanted, uh, you know, forced me to kind of explore where that came from. Like, you know, what happened in the past during colonialism or during, you know, uh, you know, the slave trade, like what all these things that were happening in both Africa and America and slaves and, and, uh, you know, how America is portrayed in Africa and, you know how black people in America think they're gonna get accepted when they go back to Africa, and then my sister, my oldest sister, just came to the states for the first time, like two years ago, and seeing her culture shock meeting black Americans, it's like it's always been such an interesting experience. Um, yeah, because I never, yeah, uh, that that's more of my thought. Uh, that's more of my experience and what I thought about a lot going back home. Not so much about survival's guilt. If anything, there was a little bit of a motivation, like, man, I can't wait to get my money up in America so I can go back and invest in Africa. That's more yeah. more my feelings.
1: Just Yo, that's dope, man. Two. Facts. I was at a podcast movement uh, this past week, uh, which is a podcast conference yeah, in Dallas, um, and I, I literally only went to two panels, and both of them were just sort of, like, podcasting in Africa, and it was, like, it was so inspiring, man. Like, I, like... I want to get more involved and I need to get more involved. And I kind of felt a little bad because it's like, yo, I'm literally from Africa and I'm I'm not educated. Like, how can I expect like other people that are here that are investors that are at Spotify, that are all these brands to like pay attention to Africa when I'm not even like doing the research that I need to be doing to get informed? So it was just inspiring. It was cool to see, but I I agree, man. I definitely, we need to be going back and investing.
0: Hell yeah. And there's so many opportunities And and the reality is, Sometimes you gotta leverage the 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 power that you have in a good way, and I mean that this way. So my brother's an artist. Um, he makes music, makes Afro beats, makes I'm a piano. Um, you know, he's he was born in Tanzania, but primarily raised in America. But he's made it a point to learn the music, learn the culture, try his best to learn uh, Kiswahili because my mom always spoke Kiswahili to the older kids, but the younger three. So there's like the older five, and then the younger three. Um, so like the younger three, always English, the older five, always Kiswahili. So, and plus they were older when they moved to America. So they got a latch on the language, but my brother, Greg, he, uh, really tries to learn the language and you know, he's done well here in the States and stuff. But when he go, when he went back to Africa recently, um, he's like a, you know, got all the opportunities kids in tanzania are trying to get artists in tanzania like trying to get on these big radio shows trying to meet some of the biggest going to the biggest record labels trying to meet some of the biggest producers and just because my brother's from the states and he's african and he's trying to show love back to tanzania and he's trying to learn the language and trying to still stay in tune with his culture they just automatically gave him you know Mm-hmm. So much energy and respect. Like he got on the radio shows all across the, 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 the country. He was like meeting with some of the biggest producers and pulling up to the cribs, the biggest producers. And it's like podcasters like like us, we can probably do the same thing. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, if we build our brand here and then we take that back home and we're like, yeah, we're like podcasters. We want to interview business people out here. Like the love will be there. So it's yeah. really just about learning. Really, like knowing the information and, and the, the opportunities that are there, and then making an effort to connect, and then going back home and like turning up, you know, with a yeah. plan, not just going back and just being like, oh, yeah, I make podcasts, but like, look, I want to connect with these people, I want to interview these people, I want to bring these opportunities, I want to run this workshop, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, a lot of
1: blow it up there. Yeah, I love that.
0: Yeah, but but I want I want to talk to you about uh, content because that's kind of how I, I I found you. So when did this uh, when did this you know energy to start investing a lot of time into creating po- informational podcast content on TikTok? And I'm sure you create elsewhere, but I've just seen so much content from you on TikTok and so much informational content and and valuable and like and quick and snippet, like it's like you almost mastered the game. So like, when did this, uh, when did this interest in creating content around podcasting happen? And how have you learned how to make quality content? And, you know, you know I know like when I go look at my videos, I always compare in good ways. Like I always appreciate what people are doing. So I'll go look at some informational content I try to create. And I'm like, oh, my video is like freaking 37 minutes long on TikTok, <laughs> it's supposed to be a snippet. And I go watch yours and I'm like, oh, okay. I see how he smoothly shared that information real smoothly. And quick, so I know this is an extended long ass question, but all I'm trying to ask is, you know, how did, uh, the interest to create content, uh, come about what year yeah. did you start getting through?
1: That's a great question. And I'll break it into two ways. There's sort of like the interest and then there's like mastering the skill. And so like the interest has always been there. I've wanted to do this. Like I have wanted to create content in some capacity for like the last three to four years. Honestly, I was just like afraid to do it. And so it took me like three years to like overcome that fear of like, dang, like I, I can do it. Like, okay, like, thing. I see them doing that thing. That's cool. Like I wanna create too. Like, um, And so December of 2021 is when I said like, you know what, like I'm gonna do it. January is when I posted my first videos it was actually more like December 28th. Um, and so from that point, from like December to March, I was literally like practicing, trying to find my niche, trying to figure out what I should talk about. And so if you go to like my earlier TikTok content, it's literally me just sort of like trying to find my space. I'm talking about like random stuff. There's no like theme. I'm just kind of like I'm talking about banks, finance, tech. I'm kind of lost. But March is when I say like, dang, I actually really like talking about podcasting. I think that could be really cool. Between March and April, just in me figuring out like what my lane was, I literally went from like maybe 800 followers on TikTok to almost like, I think it was like 6,000 maybe, just in like that 45-day window. And so that really shows the value of like picking something specific to talk about. Um, And so after that, I kind of knew like, okay, cool. I got something. Like I I have a lane. I know what I'm, I'm talking about. Now I just need to figure out how to like get Good. Um, and TikTok is a very weird platform in the sense that like it changes so fast that literally like every single week I'm trying something different. I'm trying something new. Um, and I I like that about it to some degree, but I think that's helped me get a little better at TikTok. And I've paid for like lots of different courses just to see like what are other people doing. And I think the common consensus is like. Nobody knows what they're doing. Everybody's just trying new things and sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. And so you have to be kind of comfortable with that mindset and perspective. And it's like, it's weird seeing my wife get into creating content now, just because there's like a lot of, I literally see myself in her when she's like saying things and you have to kind of feel like I'm okay looking like a fool on camera. I'm okay, like trying new things and them failing. That's cool i'm okay with like this video flopping that's cool um and the more you're like that the more like shots you take the better you'll do the better outcome you'll have and the more successful you'll be
0: i love that i love that a lot i think uh i think that's what holds the majority of people back is just that fear of um not being as amazing as these other content creators that they've been consuming And they forget that, you know, it's kind of like that saying, like, stop looking at somebody's chapter 31 when you're in your chapter two, you know? And so it's really, I think people get caught up, you know, that, that mindset can be applied to literally every industry. So same thing with podcasting. So many people I talk to or, you know, consult with, they're just like, Hey, uh, you know, I've been wanting to start one for three years. So why haven't you? And it's like, well, I just want to make sure that everything's good. I, I don't quite know what to talk about yet. You know, things like that. And Although I kind of understand the reality is when it holds you back for that long, you kind of just need to start and say, fuck it on. Like if it's going to be, you know, the most top tier content or top tier video quality, like, yes, you should grow along the way and get better. But at the end of the day, just show up and be consistent. That's what I tell people. Like some of my episodes are well-produced. The audio is awesome. The video is good. Like I got some good, uh, uh, you know, micro content that I posted. And a lot of them are just, I recorded it. I put it out, and I right. and I cut up a clip on my iPhone using just my iPhone. I didn't even use an app or any editing or anything. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, while you're over here sitting about how you're going to make the best content ever, I'm on episode 160. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you gotta got to put that volume out there, learn as much as you can, and just stop getting in your own way. And I love – that's kind of me where I'm at right now with TikTok. I've overcome the – that thing with, with podcasting, but now it's like, Hey, with content creation, I really just need to stop trying to be perfect and need to just go out there and just share whatever's on my mind and I'll get better. You know?
1: Yo, that's so funny that you say that. I I took the same approach. It's like, yeah, okay, let me start with podcasting. Let me do this for like a year. Okay, good. Like, I've been, I'm, I'm, at, I'm at least creating some content. Like, it's it's, it's a start. Okay, great. Like, let me get onto TikTok. Great. And let me, like, keep adding and expanding. But it just starts somewhere and start creating. And I wish that's what someone would have told me, like, when I first started, just like, yo, you have no idea, like, how getting on TikTok or whatever platform you choose can change your life. I've literally got job offers just off of creating TikTok content. Um, the idea that people, like, pay me to create videos is the most bizarre thing. And it's like, you'll be surprised like how soon someone will offer to pay you or what opportunities you get just from like starting, not even from being good, just like putting yourself out there.
0: No, that's real. That's real. And, and, you know, for, for people who are listening right now, Put yourself out there in conversations you're having too i think one thing i've noticed is maybe not i may maybe i haven't been killing it on the content side but i'm definitely not scared to talk about what i do and share my stuff when i'm out and about so i'm definitely at a lot of events i'm always at entrepreneurship events i'm always at uh business events i'm always like out here meeting people at the park or at the mall or at uh listening parties and I'm always having conversations and trying to focus on the person I'm talking to. But no matter how hard you try to stop, not talk about yourself, people want to know about you too, when you're invested in learning about them. And I ain't scared to share. I'm like, look, I've been doing podcasts, this is what I talk about this is how long I've been doing it. You know, I really enjoy it. And then next thing you know, people are like, hey, you know, I actually work for the, you know, I don't know the health department and we're thinking about starting a podcast. Would you be interested in consulting? And then you're like, Oh yeah, just let me take your business part. And just like opportunities like that. And you weren't even at a event to talk about podcasting. It was about hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Yeah,
1: exactly. Don't be scared. You got to shoot your shot and you got to be, nobody's going to be your advocate for you. Like you've got to put yourself out there. 100%.
0: 100%. Talk about, you know, the, the relationship with your partner uh, and, you know, you said she's starting to get into creating content. Was that on her own? Do you feel like she uh, or like was there a dynamic where you were like you need to create content or like how did you approach that um, with your partner? I know with, with me and my partner, sometimes I'll be doing something and I'll feel like this internal pressure that I have to share this with her and that she has to be doing this too. And I know that's not always the best mindset. So just, I don't know if you get what I'm getting at, but like how you explore those conversations around creating content, the value of constant value of podcasting and having those conversations with your, with your partner?
1: Yeah, that's such a great, a great question because I think with my wife, it's like, I, Sure, maybe I, I did peer pressure into creating content because I think everybody should be creating content, but also I think she has like a lot to say she has a dynamic personality. And so when I think about like it to me, it feels like a no brainer. And I think the irony of this is like my um, when I started creating content, I was very afraid and I was still trying to discover who I am. What the heck do I talk about? What's my personality? And a lot of the content I created early on I actually wasn't planning on putting it out it was like her listening to it and saying like, oh, this is actually pretty dope. You should like put this out. And her like encouraging me, that really gave me like the fuel to keep going. Um, And so I think the irony is like, now I get to like support her in her journey as well. And I love the idea that we like create content together. And I love that it feels like, yo, we're shooting our shot together. We're putting content out in the world. And kind of like I was just saying, I feel like part of what I love about creating content is there's an element that's out of your control where it's like, dang, God, I've created the content, I've put it in the world. What it does from this point on is up to you. And so I love the idea that like, dang, the miraculous could happen. It might not be on day one. It might not be on day 10. It might be on, you know, year one. And that's okay too. Like I, I'm cool with that. However, this impacts people. I'm okay with that. I just have to like create. It's like, I, I love that. There's not too many things that I feel like, you know, you get to play a hand in, but for the most part, like the outcome is out of your control. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. I think um, to the to the point you just made the reason i've done podcasting and continue to do it and continue to try to iterate and continue to show up even when i'm like upset with myself because the content's not as great as i want it to be or it's not hitting as gary vaynerchuk in one of his podcasts like three years ago said you know the reason people lose in the content space is because they you know focus too much on they're too affected by the numbers essentially he said it in a way better way but Um, they're too affected by, by the numbers and they quit because they didn't get that validation they needed from, from the audience or from, you know, they didn't get the million likes they wanted or things like that. Um, and so they quit early. And so he was talking about specific, the podcast space, people like will record 50 episodes and then quit because they're not getting the return on investment they thought they were going to get. But if they just would have recorded that episode 51, that could have been the one to blow. And so just like. You know, it's not being focused on blowing, but just being consistent and understanding that if you're providing value and you're doing it consistently, you're going to win eventually. So I always tell people, I said, you know, of course, I'd love to be a millionaire or the biggest podcaster or have the an awesome, you know, functioning business that takes care of my family by, by 20 years old is what I wanted, of course. But the reason I know I'm never going to lose and why I'm not too stressed out is because I know I'm never going to stop. So it's like, I, if anything... I know I'm going to keep going. So your podcast might blow up at five, but I don't care. I'm going to record, 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 record. And if I get one view at episode 3041, like whatever, I'm going to keep showing up. And like, I think if you can have that mentality and you know, you're focused on providing value and just having good conversations or elevating other people, whatever your goal or focus is with the content you're creating, as long as it's intentional, like, fuck the numbers, just keep showing up. And then obviously you're you're gonna learn how you can grow and get better, so.
1: Yo, that's so spot on. You see, you took the words right out of my mouth. It's like, how could you possibly lose like your position to do this forever? And so it's like, not only are you like, is there a component where it's like, dang, like quite literally you're doing it longer than me. So it's like naturally, right? Like people are gonna drop off and there's gonna be less people doing it for as long. But also like a, a tangible aspect is like, each episode you release, you're getting better, right? So the idea of like someone that has like a thousand episodes versus someone that has a hundred, like that person has like a thousand times to improve their, like their craft. And so I think it's like almost like content compounds and that's what I love about it. And so it's like with TikTok, you might not know like that one video that goes viral might take you 60 videos to get to that one time. But when you do get to that video, it's, it's, it's worth it.
0: Yeah. And like the, 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 there's two things I want to touch on. Now, you made a video about this recently too and I also have just been seeing a lot and I've just always told people this. It's like I've always made these inspirational videos. I've kind of cut back on them over the past few months but I used to make these like one minute and you know these Instagram videos where I would just turn up and bring a lot of energy. I'd be like, let's go! Good morning ladies and gentlemen. We're about to kill it. We're about to dominate it today. Be the best you. Be the best person you. yourself. Like I would turn up. Like I would do I've been doing that since I was like 13 so like Always doing that across all my social channels. And sometimes, like, you know, nobody will watch it. Nobody will respond. But then, like, once, every, like, six months when I'm, like, thinking about, like, stopping making videos, somebody hits me up and they're like, bro, those helped me through, like, every day during this depression period. Like, can you please keep making them? Or somebody will randomly send me a text and be like, hey, can you make me a personalized video? I'm really struggling today. And I'm like, oh, shit. So these videos are actually impacting or being heard. And so, to that point, um, people get so caught up in the numbers of like, I posted an Instagram video and nobody saw it, but people only fifty people saw it. But people forget how many fifty people is. Yeah, like if you had fifty people in a room, wouldn't you be excited that they heard what you had to say? If you had a hundred and seventy people in a room that viewed you listened to you for thirty seconds, wouldn't you feel like you might have had some sort of impact? Like you know. Yeah don't, you get so lost in the numbers, but you really just got to be grateful. And it's all about the perspective. If one person listened to this episode and they picked up one valuable gem, that's more powerful than anything, you know? So,
1: yo, that's straight up. Yo, Is that not like the craziest idea that you could literally say something that impacts another human being? Like, I, I agree. Like even beyond the numbers, like sometimes, like when you're just talking into a camera, it could kind of feel like. It, you're just creating content for you, but the idea that like, you could literally say something that resonates with someone that changes an action that they're doing, that is like, so bizarre to me. Yeah, man.
0: And, 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 and the, the, the value, you know, it's not to be measured. It's just knowing that the value is there. Like somebody could yeah. change your approach to relationships or, you know, like the good gentleman, Lloyd George here did they can expose you to a new way you can record content so i didn't know how to um plug my phone up to my blue yeti mic and didn't know that that was possible until he posted a video about it and i was like oh shit and now in amazon on tuesday i'm gonna get my little connector that will connect the usb to my blue yeti mic let's go that content and be like yo a little bit better audio quality i just like the way the videos look when you have a microphone and you're talking to your your iphone camera i just like that so i didn't know how to do that until two weeks ago and i've been making podcasts since 2018 so it's like consistency being interested in the space being curious and being open to learning and anything in life will take you a long way so i think that's really the point we're trying to touch on right here ladies and gentlemen yeah i love it i love it man so so I want to talk to you about, you know, other, other uh, social channels that you're exploring. So I know you're killing it on TikTok, but what are some other channels, um, you know, that you're present on that you're really excited about the future of creating on YouTube? Is it Twitter threads? Are you on Reddit? Um, like what, what other spaces or platforms are you uh, interested in exploring and diving into?
1: Yeah, so I'm exploring. I'm most excited about YouTube. Um, I am exploring what uh, it could look like to create on Twitch, but still very like early. there. And still just honestly trying to learn how it works. To be honest, um, I'm also on Instagram, but I hate Instagram with a passion. I just feel like the 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 nuance that I'm seeing is like TikTok is growing really fast from like a, a creator standpoint. I don't think it's growing as fast from a brand standpoint. So even if you have like let's just say a hundred thousand or ten thousand. TikTok followers um, and technically you should be able to monetize that and get paid for your content now to collaborate with brands. The challenge is brands aren't onboarding onto TikTok as fast. And so if you are working with a brand, the first thing they're going to say is like, what's your Instagram? Right. So it's like you have to figure out some way to get your followers from TikTok to Instagram and that right there is a challenge in itself. Um, I love the idea the, the, uh, like the opportunity that YouTube has to be a little more consistent than TikTok. TikTok literally changes their algorithm every like two to three days. So it's, it's very unpredictable, which, you know, makes it difficult to monetize it. And so I've been looking for I've been creating content on YouTube and I'm looking forward to doing a lot more of that. What, what platforms are you on, it. by the way?
0: Yeah, I, I'm actually interested in YouTube as well in, in, in relationship to, you know, the podcasts. Um, I think that, video content is just so amazing. Uh, I mean, I'm very biased. I spend a lot of time on YouTube listening to podcasts and watching, you know, you know, financial advice, investment, business stuff. And so I'm kind of interested in creating um, more in depth videos, um, both on the podcast side is probably where I'll start just because that's where I have a little bit of knowledge, but I'm definitely interested in kind of, uh, what's it called, uh, tracking or filming, um, my business journey um, with with some of the businesses I'm working on and then turning that into some cool and interesting uh, insightful YouTube content. So that's where I'm most excited. I'm also really trying to build on LinkedIn. Um, I love talking to founders. I love talking to business owners. And so I'm interested in figuring out how I can um, create content, maybe in the lane of podcasting, but really just figure out what value I can bring to the LinkedIn space in, re- in regards to business owners um, and and just have some good conversations. So those are two spaces I'm really interested in, um, but definitely YouTube. YouTube is super attractive to me right now. I feel like there's still a lot of room to grow. And then I feel like, you know, from a monetary perspective, there's also a lot of room there as well to create some fire content and, and develop some good relationships with brands. So I, sh- I need yeah. to get more serious on so if there's one that I actually need to focus on, I've been needing to focus on going ham on TikTok for a while, but just straight up slacking.
1: <laughs> I, no, I, I totally hear you. Yo, I agree. LinkedIn is killing it. Like I, I, like LinkedIn has really stepped up to really like support creators and I love it. Like I, I And that's like, when you look at like YouTube and LinkedIn, to me, I feel like just in terms of like. They are very responsible with their platform, I think. And I don't necessarily view TikTok as responsible. It's like, yo, yeah, you could be doing well on TikTok and they just make a change that screws all of that up. And I don't think like they care. Um but YouTube, it's like even just seeing like how visual they are, how much they talk about the algorithm, it's not like some deep dark secret. They're like they want you to excel. They want you to know how it works, right? Um and I love that. Same with like LinkedIn and their commitment to like you know their creator program their creator accelerator they're just I, I i it would not surprise me a year from now if like linkedin was a big place for like creators and less like recruiters per se i
0: love it i love it that that makes me want to ask you a question and and this will be one of my final three questions i know i know we're uh getting up there on time today but um what uh You know, what are your thoughts on or how important is representation to you? You know, when we think about creating content on these platforms and becoming, uh, you know, a leader, uh, a powerful individual on these platforms, I think I would love to see more black and brown people. Luckily enough, on TikTok, we have the good gentleman, uh, Kabi, I think is his name. Um, Yeah. Yeah, the, the silent guy. I love him. He creates amazing content. He's obviously been killing it in the space and finding other opportunities, um, outside of TikTok or through TikTok, through his content creation on TikTok. So I would love to see like the top 10 YouTubers, like having a a little bit more representation of, of women and black and brown people. Um, same thing on LinkedIn, you know, there's a lot of awesome creators, but I would just love to see more black and brown people on there. But can you talk about how important representation is to you and, and where, where you see its value in the content creation space?
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think it's like representation on every level is important on a sort of like macro level, I think it's important because right now we don't have our own platforms like we don't own our own platforms. So if you work for a popular TV show or a news station, You could say something you really believe and get fired, right? And so I think we need a space where I can go, I can hear Collis's thoughts, and I can hear, you know, what he thinks about something that happened with no filtering whatsoever, just straight from, like, him to me. Um, And so I think, you know, over the next, like, five to ten years, I hope we see more, like, like, over the last year, it's bizarre to me that all I could turn on CNN and they'll be like saying, reporting on a story, but their source will be a podcast episode. That is like the most bizarre thing to me, that this large broadcast is referencing something that first came out on a podcast episode that's crazy but it's it's really cool like we need more more um, things like that where people can you know have platforms that they own so that they're unfiltered on a more micro level you know I think seeing a more black creators like Kabi, seeing more creators in like the top 10 at YouTube it just creates a visual for aspiring you know creators like myself and you and some of the younger creators just so at least the like dang, if they did it like I can do it too like that's that's really cool um, and so I think we need it both on a micro and macro level. How we get there, I think, is is the challenge, and I think where a lot of people uh, disagree. And you know, my approach is just sort of like, yo, we need to lower the barrier for people to create. Like right now, um, if you want to start a podcast, you need. You don't need, but most people would want a a, a laptop, a microphone, hosting. Um, you know, we need to figure out ways to lower that. Just like how on TikTok, you could just like easily pull out your phone, bang, you're recording. It's it's a lot easier. Uh, and so I think we need to lower the barrier, and we also need to give people opportunities. LinkedIn is doing a great job of this. They have like an accelerator where if you get in, I think you get like 12k or something. So it's like we need more things like that.
0: And HubSpot as well. Their HubSpot yeah. HubSpot Creator Program that's um getting ready to launch here shortly i believe i don't think it uh, i think it launched and could apply but i don't think they've like announced who who's uh, gonna be a part of that bit but i could be wrong um i do want to uh ask you to touch on you know what you just touched on it's a little bit more in depth and primarily based off the TikTok video you made about you know maybe where are some opportunities um that you know some young black founders or builders right now could explore um, or create in the podcasting space. So we have platforms like Anchor, we have platforms like Buzzsprout, we have Riverside, we have Squadcaster. So these are some spaces where people can try to look for opportunities to um, you know, interrupt. Um, can you touch on that more in depth, especially that specific TikTok video you talked about um, in, in regards to ownership and where um, you know, some building could happen in the black and brown communities? Uh, hopefully that question made sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, it did. And that's a a great question. I think naturally, right? Like when we don't, so right now in the podcast space, we don't have enough SaaS founders, and a SaaS tool is basically a software as a service. So if any technology that you lo- you use online and pay for is a SaaS tool, we don't have enough of those in the podcast space that are run by black people. Um, and so when that happens, like because there's not enough, there's just a lot of things that aren't accounted for because our perspective is not represented. And so that's like the first reason we need more like SaaS founders. Someone needs to know, like, dang, black people don't really like this isn't appealing to black people. We would have done it this way. And here's why. Um, and so there's just a lot of tools, features that I think the podcast community as a whole misses out on when black people aren't represented in the space. That said, I think black uh, founders, black disruptors, black people in tech should be heavily heading towards podcasting. Um, because, you know, even if you're not a creator, there's still a huge space and a huge opportunity for you to do something impactful in the podcast community. I think I see a lot of people that are in technology that are looking for a niche that's underserved or an area where they can create something that's needed. And the podcast space is filled with that. There's so many different opportunities. As it stands right now, it's like the podcast community is so new, it's still developing. But five years from now, you know, there'll be over a hundred different like technology tools that we can use for podcasting. I'm hoping that black people own some of those.
0: Absolutely, I love that. I love that. And, you know, uh, speaking of, you know, some big media players or people in media right now, or content creation of color, who, who inspires you? Um, I know while you were talking about, uh, news, news, Companies and people using podcasts as their sources. Somebody that popped up in my mind was Earn Your Leisure. Uh, seeing them on the news a lot, especially on the financial side of things, um, and, and that's been really cool. So, who are some uh, you know leaders in the? Let's just say media broadly. It doesn't have to be podcasting, but in the media space that you are uh, looking up to, inspired by, who is uh, you know from a minority background?
1: That's a great. That's a great question um so i think firstly there's a a podcast called colin and samir uh it's mainly on youtube but those guys are amazing they do a great job covering what's happening in the creator economy honestly i hope in the future they start covering more like brown and black, like creators, which I know they said like is, is a priority for them, but they inspire me. Um, there's also like a, a software, a podcast hosting company called Dystopia based in North Carolina. It is actually black owned. And I got to meet some of the founders this weekend, um, the Patrick Hill and his team. They inspire me. They do great work. And I... You know, I think what they're doing is very, very hard. And I think it's, like, impressive that they're, like, not only leading, like, their the, the the features they're coming up with with their software are, like, leading the charge in the industry. But also, it's, like, just being a black founder and, and a founder of color is, like, hard as crap. So they're doing a phenomenal job, and they inspire me. Uh, and then lastly, I'm definitely going to have to put... Um, I, I learned about a new software called afripods Afropods, and um, they're based in Nairobi, Kenya. Um, and I'm not even going to try and shout out people because it's like a whole team, but they're doing an amazing jobs. Speak about like people bringing their content to Africa, empowering the whole content of Africa from like a creator standpoint. They are killing it, and so just hearing them talk, hearing their perspective, hearing their vision for the world, like. I, I felt charged up, like I felt like I need to create something. I need to support. I need to be active. Um, and, and so they're definitely at the top of that list in terms of like who's inspired me right now. But I also want I want to hear yours too, though.
0: Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, I I don't have too many on the on the founder side of things. So that was really cool to hear some of the two individuals you just mentioned with. Uh, I think you said Afropod and uh, Dystopia. Um, but mine is definitely uh just creators. So I love earning Your Leisure. I love Earn Your Leisure. Yep. Earn Your Leisure, um, you know, what Rashad and uh, Troy have done over there, the culture they've built, um, the business model and how they've been able to turn a podcast into a full-on business and launch, you know, some, you know, T-shirts, launch InvestFast, uh partner with Revolt and doing these, like, short interviews with uh, people we really celebrate in Black culture like Rose and um, Dame Dash and individuals of that nature. So, I really love what they've done. If there's any model for what I'd like to like model what I want to do off of, it would be that because I really love entertainment. Um, I really love, you know, uh, the the topic of money and how to become more financially secure and, and achieve a level of financial wealth. And I really love talking to, um, you know, just business owners who, who've killed it. And so really, they've been my inspiration all along. And, and, and I just, every time, just super powerful, love what they've done. Um, I love Dame Dash. Um, I don't remember the name of what he's uh, created with his media company, but he has like his own streaming platform, um, where they're creating a lot of uh, native content. Um, he's, he's super inspirational. Um, all the interviews he does, I wish he would start as uh, like, like a more consistent type podcast thing. That's just like Dame Dash podcast. Um, but I love Dame Dash. I love what he's done for the culture. Um, for the past 20 years and I, I love watching his interviews and, and love what he's trying to create in regards to um, streaming content and his own media um, company and stuff. and then he's done a lot for Earn Your Leisure as well so I appreciate him providing a platform for them. Um, last but not least again it's not in the podcasting space but I love Revolt. I love, what, uh, yeah. I love their summit. I love the content they share. I love the creators that they uh, hire on as hosts for some of the content they put out there. They, they do a really good job curating talent. Um, and, you know, I, I love the, you know, like I said, the summits that they put on to allow Black black uh, business owners, founders, creatives to come together to, to create. I think those those things are so important. Those conferences, especially for the Black community, like providing a space where everyone can come and exchange ideas create connections this is where a lot of co-founders are found this is where a lot of cto's are found this is where a lot of uh, strong relationships are built that end up creating what is going to be some of the most powerful uh, media some of the most powerful businesses that are going to you know carry us forward in our culture so i love anybody who's uh you know functioning in the conference space as well and doing summits and live events so that's kind of like Yo, that's spot on
1: that's so dope We need like a space like i I love that like we need a space where we can gather and meet people and do all the things you just mentioned and it's like the people creating that space that's really dope absolutely absolutely man well
0: listen brother i really appreciate you making some time to jump on and have a conversation today um you know you know and, and i know you're a busy guy you're out there killing it you're creating amazing content I'm looking forward to seeing your wife's content. I know uh, you posted something a few days ago or maybe a few weeks ago saying she was creating her first podcast episode. So uh, I would love for you to share some uh, links with me after the fact. Or matter of fact, maybe we can put it in our description for the episode. So I'm going to ask you our final question for the day. And then I'm going to ask you to plug us with some links or some websites where we can find and uh, support you in your journey. So um, that, that, that final question for you is you're 110 years old. You've lived as long of a life as you've wanted to live. You've been able to accomplish everything you've wanted to accomplish um, from kids to business to, to to powering, you know, the black and brown community um, and everyone else as well, of course. Uh, <laughs> um, but your great, great young kids are sitting at your feet and they're looking up at you and they're like, great grandpa, give me one piece of advice on how to live a good life. And this is the last thing they're going to remember for you, uh, of you. What are you going to tell them?
1: That's such a great question. I I would tell them the thing that I think has been most impactful to me, and that is that there are no limits to what you can do. Um, and as long as like you decide you want to do it and you put your mind to it, you can do it. Um, and I wish I knew that early enough. And that's something that I've had to learn as I get older. Um, and even to which, like, even now that I know that, the magnitude to which I believe it. Like, do I believe that like I can do anything as in like I can start a TikTok account or do I believe that I can do anything as in like dang, I could probably like influence a million people in the continent of Africa to like start their podcast. And so it's like, you know, whatever you set your mind to, you can do it. And there's no like age limit, there's no time. You could start immediately. I love it, I love it, that's
0: beautiful, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We're really grateful. You know, you didn't have to give us, what is it, 50 minutes of your time, but you did, so I really appreciate you, your time, what you're doing, the content you're creating. I think you're having genuine impact, and uh, I I just want to say, side note, I love your style. You dress really well. I love your voice. It's very easy to listen to, so just keep doing what you do. Keep being authentic, and before we sign out of here, go ahead and share where people can find you, support you. Um, If you have anything you're selling, feel free to plug that as well, and then Um, We'll make sure to put some links in the bio as well.
1: You know, I, I really appreciate that. And and before I just uh, plug my social, I just want to say thanks for having me. It's like, you know, I think because I talk about podcasting so much, people just assume that like I, I know it all. But I like part of like why I love like interviewing with other people is I'm just constantly like every time I interview on someone else's podcast, like I'm just like I'm just like peeking how they do things. I'm stealing things. I'm talking about things. I'm there's just so much for me to learn. And even just as like when I was listening to your podcast, I was like, darn. This intro is so freaking good because you have you have Dame Dash and JC on your intro, right?
0: I, I I used to. I just changed it, but yes, that was that was okay. the intro for a good like a ninety episodes or so.
1: Yeah, that was really, really good. I I liked it. Um, So I I appreciate you having me on and allowing me to collaborate in this way. Um, If you're looking to find me and learning to start your podcast, uh, you can find me on any social platform under Lloyd, not George. And that is the username. My first name is Lloyd. Last name is George. So to clarify, the username is Lloyd, N-O-T, George. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely, brother. All right, ladies and gentlemen, make sure you leave a five-star review as that is the only way we can grow, but only if you genuinely enjoy the conversation. Sending you guys a lot of love. This is your boy, C-I-Dou-Z-Y signing out. Salud.